Hey, this morning uh, I, I had to do a hospital visit, and uh, on my way, one of our senior adults had knee surgery, and so I went and saw her and prayed with her this morning. And uh, on the way back, I get a call from Mark, and uh, he said, I don't feel good. And so everybody say, ah, ah. And uh, he said, would you be willing to teach tonight? I said, did I just cut out? Okay. Um, and so I said, yeah, I'll think about it. Let me see what I got going. I got a busy day. Uh, we're leaving tomorrow, going to uh, my little boys in uh, baseball, and we're going to Louisiana, play for the regional stuff. And, and I, man, I got a bunch to do. So let me think about it. And I hung, up on, I hung up, and I said I'd let him know later, and I felt bad. Poor Marky, he was scared he was going to puke up here on stage. And I told him, let me think about it. Well, then I called him back because he told me what y'all were doing, uh, uh, going through the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts is uh, uh, how the church should be. And that's, how, that's what y'all have been talking about, is my understanding. Y'all have just been kind of... Do any of y'all remember how MTV used to be when they played music? Or have you heard stories of MTV when they played music? Long, long time ago. Well, back in the day, MTV played music. And uh, they, they had this thing that came out when we were younger, and it was unplugged. And y'all know what unplugged means, but, but folks like Pearl Jam and Nirvana, they would, uh, they'd unplug, and they would uh, play their acoustic uh, instruments, and, and it was really cool. And, uh, and so when Mark told me what y'all were doing, it, it was kind of like Acts unplugged, you know, the Bible unplugged, where y'all were just taking it verse by verse, uh, not really having to uh, prepare a sermon and, and, and putting a lot of fluff out there and entertaining you guys, but just walking through the book of Acts. And so uh, as I got back to the office, that kind of excited me when, when I just started reading Acts and, and, and seeing the way things are supposed to be. And, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to walk through Acts. Uh, we're going to be unplugged. And, and if you have questions in the scriptures that we read, we see an example of, of when somebody has a question about scriptures. Hey, should I put this? Should I put this up here or why is it cut? Okay. Uh, and so, so that's what we're going to do. I just walked through the book of Acts this morning and I read scripture by scripture and I made a few little notes that I want to share with you and, and, and maybe we can interact with each other as we go through here. Uh, but, but that's what we're going to do tonight. So I hope y'all are cool with that. Does everybody have a Bible? If you don't, like Mark said, there's seven up here and we can all watch you walk up here and get a Bible if you don't have one. Everybody got one? Okay. Uh, one more thing before I forget, too. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark wanted me to remind you guys, uh, our church this week, a uh, lot of y'all, have, or some of you have done World Changers before, and uh, there's a group from Texas, Mississippi, and somewhere else that are here in central Arkansas doing World Changers product, pro, uh, projects, and uh, we are feeding uh, those, that group of 15 kids, adults and kids, uh, this week, different groups are, and Friday, the youth are going to uh, feed those guys, and it's over off Asher, and so if you go over there, keep your hat on straight, and uh, everything will be cool. If they want to help with this, Mark, what time do they need to be up here? They got to have their food at 1130, so 1030. 1030. 
okay? So if you want to go and eat lunch with those folks and just kind of visit with these youth that are working and, and, and get a free meal and, and see kind of, you're not going to have to be out in the heat that long, but uh, if you want to help Mark out and the rest of the youth uh, go and, and, and help those folks uh, eat and fellowship with them for a little bit, be here at 1030 on Friday. Okay, I'm going to start, uh, and I, I, I realized last time y'all met, you, uh, you read this story, but I'm going to start with Acts 7, verses 54 through 60, uh, where we hear the story of the stoning of Stephen, and uh, starting with verse 54, in verse 7, y'all there? Uh, Acts chapter 7. Okay. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, being Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So we see the story of Stephen the first martyr, the first person to be stoned for what he believed in, this, in these verses right here. Stephen's death, as we read, and that's what we're going to get into tonight, Stephen's death was the first real missionary outreach. By the first, it, it was what launched the first missionary outreach of the early church. This was Satan's attempt, stoning this man of God, it was Satan's attempt to, to put out the church, to quench the fire of the church, the early church that was spreading so fast. And what happened, though, in the stoning of Stephen by this man named Saul, it, 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 it's what started fires, little fires, all over the world uh, with the gospel and with the message of Christ, and that's how the church got started. Okay, now let's go to chapter 8. And uh, I just wanted, if you weren't here last week, I want you to know just what happens before we got, get to where we're at tonight. Um, and, and let's just read the first five verses. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great laminations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them into prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the, world, preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Okay, in those first five verses, there's a lot of stuff in there. And I, I almost got bogged down this morning when I was reading that. Because I was like, I'm never going to get to, verse, uh, to chapter 9 just because of what's in that first part. Uh, because what happened, what do y'all think happened, what happened to the church or to these, the, the, the church when it was persecuted back then? They scattered, okay? So when the church was persecuted back in the early church, when it was first getting started, when it was persecuted, when things got tough, 
it's scattered. And what scattered means today is, or back here, is planted. When the church was persecuted, people went out and planted more churches. Now, that's not normal, is it? What happens today when things aren't going real well in churches? They split. Or people just quit coming. What about in just everyday things? What are some of the things that, uh, that maybe some of us as, as young adults uh, may, uh, may witness? What happens when things in marriages? What happens a lot of times when things get kind of hard? Divorce. What about friendships? When just your friend isn't doing just what you want them to do and, and things aren't real smooth with you, what happens? Go find a new one. What about youth groups? What about when, when youth groups, things are going real good and things are uh, just floating along and, and, and think the crowds are good and, and they throw this new cell group thing up, what happens? People start going to different churches. Okay? When things get hard, people split a lot of times. So what happened back then uh, wasn't normal, Okay? Uh, and, and what they were doing, they were being persecuted, uh, and they weren't being persecuted like you and I are persecuted today. You know, when, we, when you think about being persecuted, to, to, who in here has been persecuted for their faith? Anybody? Then I might question your faith, okay? Are you being bold with your faith? If you're really living your life for Jesus, things aren't going to go so smooth. You're not going to be, you're not going to fit in the, the, the in crowd. You're not going to, things aren't going to be smooth. You're going to, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to bump heads with folks because you're not living the way they live. And we got a church full of folks that live the way the world lives. And so, so when, you, when you stand up for your faith like these people did and scattered, and, and they didn't just scatter and hide, they scattered and planted and what that means, what did I say? They planted churches. They, they shared their faith wherever they went. And so these people, people don't die for a lie. So they believed what they were, uh, what they were scattering for. Verse 4, like I said, the, the, the word scatter meant preaching and planting. And uh, when you preach and plant, you know, to your friends, what, what should happen? Should there be some type of fruit that's produced? Okay. Absolutely. And so when they, when, they, when they planted and preached the message that they uh, had received in Jerusalem and then they went out, the church continued to grow. Verse 3, I think it was interesting. They used the word ravaging. And, and I don't think we get, like I said, you know, us as Christians today, we might get laughed at for, for uh, what's that thing y'all do on Friday during the school year? Emily helped start it. Say it again. Youth Alive, okay. People may giggle at you for going to Youth Alive or, or coming to church on Wednesday night and uh, when, when, you know, other stuff is going on. People may giggle at you for that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but what was happening to these folks, he uses the word ravage, and that means to uproot and destroy. And so what, what Paul, or Saul, I'm sorry, was doing at this point, if you were a Christian and you confessed that you were a Christian, he was going to destroy you. He wasn't just going to pick on you. He was going to destroy you and uproot you and, and, and just cause harm and danger and even death in some points, okay? Verse 5, we talks about Samaria, uh, and, and that's where they were scattered to. Uh, they scattered and went preaching 
uh, the word Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Okay, when they were scattered, guess what? They didn't go to safe places either. Samaritans were, uh, they were half-breeds. They were looked at, down upon by the people of that day. The, the Jewish folks, they were, they were, they were not, uh, they're not who you wanted to attach yourself with, okay? Uh, they were looked down upon folks. But what happened when they were scattered? God and the Holy Spirit directed them and, uh, and, and, and sent them to Samaria, okay? And it's interesting, when I got out of that, I was like, why Samaria? There had to have been a better place. You know, there had to have been a better place than Samaria. But when you follow God's word, when you follow God's leading, a lot of time he's going to lead you somewhere that you really don't want to go sometimes. It's interesting, I put down how the gospel sends those uh, that are willing to follow uh, to the folks that sometimes you wouldn't give the time of day to. You know, and as I think about that, as, as, as you young people, I mean, your school's out, but when school starts back up, you know, God may be calling you to, to befriend uh, somebody that's not real popular, somebody that's, uh, you know, not uh, in the in crowd and that kind of stuff. And so if you're a follower of Christ, chances are that's who God's going to, to put in your pathway and send you uh, to minister to, just like he did. I'm, I'm trying to relate this to us today, but he, uh, he sends us uh, where he wants to send us, not where we want to go, okay? Um, these people suffered uh, in, in, in these first five scripture, verse, or scripture verses. They suffered, and the result of suffering, a lot of times we don't like to suffer, but what happens a lot of times when we go through a bad time? You get closer to God. Why is that? You have to draw. You realize you can't make it on your own during a hard time. You know, in a in a time of persecution, or, or let's just say when things just aren't going the way you want them to go, when things you know life isn't being fair, and uh, you know you you've done all you can do, and uh, uh, you have to draw to God. You have to come to a point where where God's the only thing that's going to draw you. Uh, or see you through this, this hard time. And when you do that, God moves you in a closer relationship with him. God works through our hearts is what, uh, through our hurts, I'm sorry, uh, is what this first verse, these first verses teach me, uh, that through our hurts is when God works. When we're hurting, we should stop, uh, just like she said a minute ago, and ask God to prepare us for what's on the other side of the hurt, Okay. And so my, my, just one thing I hope you get is, is if you're going through a hurtful time, if things, you know, aren't going real smooth for you, start praying now for God to, to show you what he's preparing you for. Because so often in our hurt, we're so consumed with right now, right now, right now, but we ought to be asking ourselves, God, why is this happening and what are you preparing me for? And then draw close to him and walk through him with this. Okay? Now, in this verse also, kind of interesting, I don't want to skip over it. Uh, everybody is, these new Christians scattered and planted, but the apostles stayed there. And the apostles, they were sold out for Christ, okay? They were the sold out ones. They stayed there. Uh, they stayed together. They didn't scatter. And that's why you need to, I mean, for you, just kind of drawing a, a, a life lesson, I guess, from that is that when you're attacked for your belief or, or when things aren't going well or whatever, you know, you need to have brothers and sisters in Christ that you can stick with, okay, through the hard times. 
And so when bad things are happening at home or school or wherever, the apostles didn't scatter when bad things happened. They stayed together. And so the life lesson that maybe we can learn out of that is we need brothers and sisters in Christ too when things aren't going so great to stick with us where we're at as well. Okay? Because, I mean, let's face it. You know, things aren't going well at home or school or whatever. Guess what? You can't pack up and move. You've got to stick here, okay? So you might as well surround yourself with, with folks that believe like you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that will stick with you through the, through the good and the bad, okay? All right, let's go to verses 6 through 8. Uh, verses 6 through 8, uh, somebody, this is so cheesy, but I'm going to do it anyway. Did you, what's the only car ever mentioned in the Bible? Somebody read chapter 6 for me out loud. This is bad, but I'm going to do it anyway. Go ahead. Somebody read it. The only car, automobile, mentioned in the Bible is mentioned in verse 6. Somebody read it. Everybody's reading it right now and going, I ain't going to do it. Do what? Read it. One accord. Ha, ha, ha. I know it's bad. Do what? Yours doesn't say one accord? All right. It was bad, but I had to say it. I know. Trey, come on now. I was going to do something for Trey just to really embarrass him real bad. But that's about as good as I can do, okay? Accord, okay. All right. Let's read verses 6 through 8 again. I'll read it. Um, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with loud voices, with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. Okay, the two things that stuck out to me in this, and, and, and I know, I mean, I've been where you guys have been. I grew up here in Bryan, Arkansas. I mean, so I've been right where you are, the same city, same street, same, same school, some of the same teachers. It's amazing some of them are still teaching. I heard Mr. Cole, Trey and them were talking about Mr. Cole the other day. Yeah, and I remember Mr. Cole. Oh, you know, and so anyway. Uh, does he still fold his hands? And Okay, okay. I remember Mr. Cole. And so... Um, One of the things that it says in in these scripture verses right here is they heard and saw. And because they heard and saw the disciples that what they said matched up with what what they were doing, they paid attention to them. Okay? So people were looking at them and watching them. They heard them and they saw them. And guess what? If you say you're a Christian, if you're going to put that label on you, if you're going to... You know, I hope when you, when you say you're a Christian, you mean it and you've asked Jesus into your life and you've, 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 you've repented and, and you're seeking him. But a lot of people just throw, hey, I'm a Christian because I go to church. They're, they're confused with what Christianity really is. But if you're going to put the name of Christ on you and call yourself a Christian, people are going to hear you and they're going to see you. And it depends on if those match up, if they're going to pay attention to what you have to say. Okay, And that's what the scriptures are saying right here, that people heard and saw Philip and it matched up, so they listened to him. And, uh, and, and because of that, because it matched up, people's lives were changed. Okay, 
Uh, verse 8 says, because of, because of what they heard, because of what they saw, there was much joy in that city. Okay? Now, think about Bryan, Arkansas. Think about Bryan, Arkansas. And, or just even, we can, we can narrow it down to, to your class and stuff. Because of what you say and what you do, when people see that as your class, your 8th grade class or your ninth grade or 12th grade class, are they filled with much joy because of their interaction with you? Christian, okay? Are they, is their life changed in any way because of what you do or what you say? And what the life lesson that I got out of that is, is when those match up, when what we say and what we do match up, when they're more than just words, because we can all say words, and we're all guilty of that at some point. I am, okay? I am. Sometimes, you know, I lose it. Sometimes what I say doesn't match up with, with, with what I, I mean, with what I do doesn't match up with what I say sometimes. I blow it, you know, and I have to go ask for forgiveness, and I have to repent and do all that stuff. But, but when everything matches up, the people around you, their lives ought to change, okay? Uh, and great joy in the city because God was at work in these people ought to be the same thing at work in us today, okay? And what's, I, I, I hope what you get out of this, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, uh, happened in, in earlier on in Acts. The same Holy Spirit that was at work back then, you know, we think, oh, that's back then, that's Scripture, that's, you know, that's back then, well, you know what? It's the same Holy Spirit that's at work in us who call ourselves believers. You know, I've got the same Holy Spirit in me that Stephen had in him when he was being stoned. You know, and I think about the story of him being stoned. I'm not sitting there going, hey, forgive him. I'm not sitting there looking, you know, I'm like, God, get him is what I'm doing. But the same Holy Spirit that rescued Stephen, you know, from that pain of being stoned and, and eventually Saul turned into Paul and all that other stuff, that same Holy Spirit is available to us, okay? And it can cause joy in this city just like it caused in that city if our actions match up with our words. All right, verse 9 through 25. Let's go through that real quick. Um, but there was a man named Simon who, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed let me read that one more time but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great I didn't catch this today and I don't think I've ever caught this before uh, and, and, and so probably shouldn't even mention it but he had previously been there I, when I read this today and in the past I thought you know he was, he was doing it at that point but apparently Maybe he was going town to town and he was practicing this magic for, for money and, and, and for fame and everything. But this guy practiced Simon. He practiced magic uh, and he amazed the people saying that he himself was somebody great. And, and it's kind of funny that he had to tell them that he was somebody great. But anyway, they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying, This man is, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they all were, bapt they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and 
Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Okay, this guy was a, he, he practiced magic. He practiced sorcery. And sorcery, what it says in here, it's, uh, it's defined as an imposter of supernatural power. It's a fake. Okay, this guy was a fake. He, he talked a big talk. He did some, some magical things. Uh, and he enticed people to listen and follow him. Uh, but he was a fake. And like I said, he was a fake and he had to boast uh, that he was somebody great. And so anytime, man, I'm, I'm not too old, but I'm old enough to know. Anytime somebody has to boast about themselves or boast how good they are, run. Okay? All right? If somebody has to tell you uh, about their walk with Christ and what they've done for Christ and you never see anything, I'd be a little suspicious of that person, okay? We, we need to tell stories of how God is at work and what he's doing, but if, if, I, if all you ever hear is stories and never see God at work in my life, you need to question me or your friend or your neighbor or whoever, okay? And so, so anytime, you know, if, if, if somebody has to tell you all the time and you don't see it, you need to question that. All right, verse, uh, let's keep reading. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them and they might, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hand, he offered them money, saying, you notice, I mean, he, he got baptized earlier. He was in, okay? But then he saw the signs, and then he wanted to, he thought money could buy uh, what they had. So he said, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He, what he wanted to give them was something good. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, he says, therefore of this wicked of yours, and pray to the Lord that if it is possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the blood of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Okay? No amount of money, no amount of good works can buy your salvation. No amount of money, no amount of good works can forgive you of your sins. Nothing that you can do can give you more of God's power. You know, and like I said, I've been where you've been. We mess up. We screw up, and then we want to prove that we're good enough. But nothing, the scriptures tell us even here, that nothing we can do can give us that forgiveness or that salvation for the first time. These are only granted by repentance and belief in Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. This man thought he could buy these things, and we want to beat up on this guy. I think it's funny in scriptures how so often we want to beat up on folks, but we do the same thing. You know, we, the rich young ruler, you know, you know, everybody knows the story of the rich young ruler. We want to beat up on him because he wasn't willing to give up everything to follow Christ. He went away sad and we're like, oh, what a dummy. 
But we do the same thing. We want to beat up on this guy as well because, you know, he, he, he didn't know any better. Then he knew better, but then he really didn't know. Okay? But, but we too are a lot like him. We think we can do things to earn Christ's salvation. We learn from Scripture that, uh, that Simon was powerful. You know, the Scriptures tell us that he was powerful, but he was still lost. Uh, he was won over by the miracles that the apostles performed, but not the message. And a lot of us adults, a lot of us adults, we see things going on and we're, we want to be a part of things, but, but we're won over by the, the miracles and not the message, okay? Uh, we learn from Scripture that Simon was also very persuasive, but he was still lost. He, it says here that he had a huge following. There were a lot of folks following him, but he was lost. It also, you know, as we go down here in the bottom part, that he identified with the church. He was baptized. He was a follower. I mean, he walked with them as they went through the city. I mean, he identified with these people who were starting this new church thing, but he was lost. The scriptures say he believed what they said and what they did, but he was still lost. How many of us are in the same boat that he was in? We know all the answers. We, we, we have the friends, we have, but we're still lost. I'd say a lot of us, a lot of the church, big church and little church as well, not little church, but youth and, and so forth, you know, we, we, we think we got it all together, but we're still lost. And what we need to learn and what Simon need to learn as well as we need to learn is that salvation is a gift. It's a gift that cost us nothing, but it cost Christ everything, okay? Peter and John protected. I th- the thing that, that I, I appreciate about this scripture as well is that that's John and Peter protected believers and they rebuked uh, uh, Simon in love. And so what that said to me when I thought about youth and, and you guys is y'all need to protect each other. You need to protect each other and rebuke each other in love when... Uh, when you see your brother or your sister doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You need to protect your brothers and sisters. Uh, how, how many of y'all pray for each other on a regular basis? Good. You need to continue to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so that's what, what, that's what uh, Peter and John did here. They protected the believers. They protected the ones that were with them that were starting this new church. Uh, Simon had faith that doesn't save. And in verse 26 through 40, we see faith that does save. And so uh, let's go. We're going to read. Did I stop early? Okay. We're going to go to 40 now. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages uh, of the Samaritans. So once again, they went back. They continued preaching. Uh, they, they were protecting, but uh, they also, after they did that, they went on and they went back to, to the Samaritans. Once again, the lowly. Uh, they went to uh, the folks that needed uh, the message of Christ the most. I mean, we all need it, but they went where, where others weren't going, okay? Now, um, the story of the eunuch. Y'all know what a eunuch is? Uncomfortable. What's a eunuch? Does anybody know what a eunuch is? Somebody want to guess? Huh? Clothing? No. 
Scott, you know what a eunuch is? No idea. Emily, you know what a eunuch is? You're not going to say. <laughs> All right, let me tell you what a eunuch is. A eunuch is a castrated male. Y'all know what castrated is? Go ask your mama. I'm not telling you. Okay. A eunuch was a castrated male. And what, uh, what a eunuch did was he protected the queen. Okay? Uh, what? Trey, tell us what a, a castrated means. <laughs> You'll pass. Okay. All right. So, so this, this story is about, and, and you know what? This guy had a pretty high place. I mean, he had a pretty important job. He protected the queen, okay? Uh, the bad part is he was castrated. But anyway, uh, th- that's who this story is about, Philip and the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. Now, Uh, Let's start. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Uh, And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken from this earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about, himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Astos, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I would love to see Mark baptize you one of these days, and that little trough and come up and then he disappeared. That'd be cool. But anyway, just a side note, I guess. Uh, all right. What's happening here is Philip, he was doing a great work. He was doing some mighty work in Samaria and a ton of folks were being saved. A ton of folks were being saved and, and God says to him out of the blue, <clears throat> go to the desert. You're doing great things. You're doing great things, but I want you to go to the desert. To us, that doesn't make sense, does it? If a lot of folks are being saved in a certain spot and great work is happening, uh, Wednesday night youth is going great and, and, and people are being saved and God tells Mark, hey, I want you to do this thing called cell groups. <clears throat> and what did Mark do? He did cell groups, okay? Now, 
I'm, I'm kind of lifting Mark up and following God's voice in this. But, but, but as Christians, that's what we're to do as well. Uh, when God calls you to do something that doesn't make sense, you just do it. Because that's what Philip did. Uh, he didn't make any excuses and say, hey, but I'm doing this, God, or, or you're doing this through me. Things are happening here, God. Why, why would you want me to go to the desert where nobody's at? That's what we would do, I would think. We would make excuses uh, for what's going on. Philip didn't understand what God was asking him to do, but he went. He went and he was obedient to, to what God had told him to do. <clears throat> and part of that is, I mean, I don't know if you get it, though. It's kind of like a, a demotion almost, you know. He's, he's in the spotlight. He's making things happening for Christ. And Christ says, hey, go. And instead of uh, uh, feeling, you know, like that's a lesser calling or something like that, he just went. I mean, so, so don't underestimate what God calls you to do and think that it's not uh, big enough. You know, when God calls you to do something and you've prayed through it and you've, you've talked to friends and you've, you've examined that call, what God's calling you to do, don't you dare ever think it's too uh, little for you to do, okay? Because that's kind of what we see here. Philip just went. It was a step down. It was a demotion per se. Uh, but God had a reason to send him where nothing was going on because he was fixing to do something big. What keeps us today from being obedient? I mean, because it's a, it's a question of obedience right here. Philip was obedient to what God called him to do. What, what's, what's some of the things that keeps y'all from being obedient? Fear, okay. Selfishness. Peer pressure. What are your friends going to think? Yeah. What else? Pride, yeah. Anything else? I tell you something, if you're, if, you're not in the, if you're not in the Word on a regular basis, how in the world are you going to be, be, be obedient to what God's calling you to do? You know, we can, I am so proud that you guys are here in the middle of the summer on a Wednesday night. There's daylight out. There's stuff to be doing. You know, there's some commitment, okay? Mom, may, mom and dad may have made you come. I don't know. I don't care. You're here. But if you're not in the Word daily, you're not going to be able to be obedient to what God's calling you to do if you're not in His Word regularly. If your checkoff list is Sunday and Wednesday and the rest of the days you're not in His Word, there's no way you can be obedient to what God's calling you to do because you're not going to be able to hear Him. And that goes for me too. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll go good for three or four days and then I'll go seven days and I'm like, well, God, why aren't things happening? I want to be obedient to you, Lord Jesus. And He's sitting there going... Well, you haven't come to me. Okay? And so that's part of, you know, keeps us from being obedient to God's call. Philip did not know what God was up to or why God would pull him from the revival that was going on in the desert to the desert. He just followed God. He followed God's leading even if it seemed like a demotion. And that's what we just talked about. Verse 27 says that uh, uh, this man was looking this Ethiopian guy, he was looking, he was seeking for some answers. He wasn't looking for rules and regulations or judgment, but that's exactly what he found when he went to Jerusalem. You know, and as we think, I think Mark said, told me this afternoon that part of this study of Acts is, you know, for us to see how the church should be, okay? Because, you know, you guys aren't the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today, okay? And so... 
I can't tell you some of the things y'all have done in the past, how it's challenged us older folks even, you know, to kind of sit back and see, hey, they got it. You know, they're not, they're not so poisoned yet with all the rules and regulations and stuff, okay? And so the early church and, and the church today, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times it's just a bunch of rules and regulations, a lot of do's and don'ts, a lot of judgment. And the, the, the nugget that I get out of this is this man that was seeking for a relationship with Christ, a relationship with this, this Jesus that, that he had heard about, uh, he went to Jerusalem seeking some answers, and what he found was religion. He found religion, rules, regulation, judgment. That's what he found, and so he left. And when he left, all he had was what? The Word. You know, and sometimes that's all we have. Sometimes, you know, we get it all mixed up, but, but we have the Word of God, and that's all this Ethiopian guy had as well. This guy was persistent. And so that's, I want to challenge y'all to be persistent as well as you seek God's guidance for your life. Uh, and so he was persistent and he went to God's word. And when Philip saw this, this, this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, this black African man in a chariot reading the scriptures, the Holy Spirit said to him, go. And what did Philip do? What's it say? He skipped, he moseyed, he what? He ran, all right? He ran. When the Holy Spirit prompted him to do something, he ran. And, uh, and what Philip did, what we see in here is that Philip followed the Spirit's leading. How many times, and I hate to, I, I really do hate calling on Scott. I really do, because he's a goofball. But uh, two years ago, we went to beach camp. Our first day here, our first, our first day at beach camp, he and I are sitting at a Burger King, and this nasty, toothless, stinky lady walked in with her buggy. Okay? I'm not sure you're calling it. She was nasty. Okay? And uh, everybody kind of spread from her. And it was just he and I, so I'll give you an attaboy. It wasn't just for show. He... Uh, he opened up his wallet, and I want to say 40 bucks, right? Went and gave this lady 40 bucks. He didn't care if she went and bought alcohol, cigarettes, a burger. Fr he didn't care. He did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And so from this goofy teenage boy, every time I see a homeless person, I'm like, man, what a lesson. Who cares, you know? Who cares, uh what they do with what we give them, okay? I had a guy Saturday approach me in an uh, uh, academy sports parking lot asking for money, and I was like, oh, you know? And I, I thought, what a, what a moment. My kids are in the back seat with me, uh, and, and so we gave him some money. He walked away, and he goes, he was here last time I was here. And I was like, well, we did what we were supposed to do, you know? The Holy Spirit prompted me at that time to, to do it, just like that. And, and I learned that lesson from a goofy, red-headed kid. So, have I said enough that the kid's goofy? Okay. I just want to make sure y'all get that. All right. Uh, so, follow the Spirit. When, when the Spirit prompts you to do something, follow. And here's the thing that also that, that Philip did in, in, in this whole story. 
he began the discussion from where the eunuch was at, okay? He didn't, the eunuch was reading the scriptures and he was reading a certain verse in the scripture uh, and, and Philip started where the man was at, okay? And so that lesson for us is when you find somebody that's lost, you start with where they're at. You don't try to get them, you know, maybe don't beat them over the head with stuff. Start where they're at and, 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 and begin that relationship with them. And the third thing that Philip did here is he explained how Jesus, Jesus Christ fulfilled Isaiah's prophecies. Do you, re, do you realize this scripture verse that he's reading here is Isaiah 53? Okay? The scripture that the eunuch was reading was Isaiah 53. And that prophecy of, of, of Jesus the Lamb was written over a th- eight to a thousand, 800 to 1,000 years before this happened. Before Jesus came, I'm sorry. Okay? So, Christ came to fulfill the prophecy, and that's what this guy's reading. And so what that tells us, tells me is, Philip had to know his, he had to know his scripture. So, once again, you've got to be in the word. If you want to be effective for Christ, if you want to do more than talk, you've got to know your scripture. Because when we share the gospel, we should start with where the person's at, where they're focused at, and then bring the gospel to them in a way that doesn't push them away. Okay? What, uh, I can't see that clock back there. Can you tell me? Okay. Uh, now, was it, do you think it was a coincidence that the, that the eunuch was reading Isaiah 53? Y'all believe in coincidences? No. All right, y'all are so just. All right, the prophecy of Jesus is what the eunuch was reading about, and and Philip had to explain to him that the Lamb was Jesus, that the Lamb was Jesus, and Philip shared Christ's story with him because he knew the story of Christ. So it wasn't a coincidence. From the eunuch, we should also learn that when we don't understand something in scriptures, we need to ask. We need to ask folks who who might know. And uh, I'll tell you the truth, you know, people ask me stuff all the time, and I'm like, man, I don't know, but let me find out for you. So don't be afraid to ask. <clears throat> and if you're asked, don't be afraid to say, hey, I don't know, but I'll get back with you, okay? Uh, but be prepared, like Philip was prepared, to sh- when the opportunity comes, to share the story of Christ. How many opportunities, just, just think about it, how many opportunities a day do you think we miss out on because we're not prepared to share the story of Christ. Think about how, how many? I'm not much on rhetorical questions, so I want some response. How many times do you think you miss out on an opportunity because you're not prepared? A bunch? Okay. That's not a number, but it's a bunch. Okay. We miss out on opportunities a lot because we're not prepared. What the eunuch came to Jerusalem seeking and did not found, he found on the desert road. We talked earlier about uh, hard times. And that's, you know, metaphorically speaking, when you're in the desert, those aren't good times. But it was in the desert when the Ethiopian uh, eunuch found Christ. Okay? Okay. So when you have a brother, a sister, a friend, somebody that's lost going through the desert, be sensitive to that time 
uh, to be able to share the message of Christ with them. Uh, If you met someone on the desert road in a hard life situation, would you be willing and ready to share? Would you? If you met a brother and sister, a friend that was going through a hard time, would you be able to share the message of Christ? Well, Philip was ready. Philip was ready when he encountered the eunuch. And and when he encountered the eunuch, uh, he wanted to be baptized right then. And I I think that's so cool and speaks to us in church world too. You know, we want to, you know, we're going to have baptisms on, uh, you know, in three weeks. So get ready, you know. Uh, but, but the neat thing here is, man, when the eunuch was, was, was introduced to Christ and he committed his life, he said, why, I don't want to wait. Because there was nobody else around except for Philip and the eunuch. And he wanted to be baptized right then. And so baptism, you know, it's, baptism isn't what saves you. It's just a sign that shows that you identify with Christ. Uh, and you identify with the Christian community. And the eunuch didn't want to waste any time. He didn't care that anybody else wasn't around. He wanted to be baptized right then. Verse 36 through 40, the eunuch went home rejoicing. The eunuch went home rejoicing after he met Christ and experienced Christ full of cheer. When people are encountered with the, the, the message of Christ, their lives change. All the eunuch had to understand and accept to have his life changed is that he was a sinner and he needed a Savior, and that Savior was Christ. And Philip shared that with him. The interesting thing that you don't read here is that the eunuch, the eunuch, uh, he became a missionary, is, 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 is what it says, because he went back into his hometown and he shared the message of Christ with everybody that he came in contact with. Okay, the Ethiopian went and shared his experience with Christ. So, you know, just right before I walked down here, I I thought I I looked back on this and I thought, and I don't know that we're really going to get into verse or chapter nine, uh, and and so Mark probably won't do a video this week either. But I'm teasing. (laughs) But uh, verse nine in, in in chapter eight. Who was affected by the message of Christ in, the, in, in, in those stories right there? There were lost people. There were wicked people. There was a man named Simon who was an attention seeker. He wanted to feel important. He wanted to uh, be noticed. He was a hypocrite, okay? He was a hypocrite because what he said uh, is not what he was. Uh, there was also Samaritans that were affected by the message of Christ. Uh, there were half-breeds. There were, uh, you know, we're in the good old South. There were black folks, okay? Uh, he, he, th- there were folks that were looked down upon. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, somebody that was different, uh, okay? Uh, he, he didn't have his sexual organs. I mean, he was different, okay? Uh, there, he was a castrated man. There were seekers. There were hungry people. These were the people that were, were affected by the message of Christ. And guess what? Every one of those people are in this community that we live in. Every one of these folks are, 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 are in the community that you run into every single day. So what should, should the church look like? The church should look like folks just like this that have a past that don't have it all together. Okay? They don't have it all together. But what they do have in common is that somebody else who had an encounter with Christ didn't keep it to themselves. 
They didn't look down on certain folks because they were different, but they shared the message of Christ with others. Those, uh, you know, if, if you, just let's read the first part of verse 9 or chapter 9. But Saul, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letter of, to the synagogue at Damascus so that he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So also what that tells us is there's also folks that we ought to go after that are so strongly opposed to the message of Christ that they're wanting to kill you. Okay? And so who, should, who was affected? Everybody was affected, okay, by the message of Christ. Uh, and there's, like I said, we still have folks today who need to be reached in Bryan, Arkansas. It's amazing. And, and I, it's been the last year I've heard folks that still, you, you think in the good old Bible Belt that uh, everybody knows who Jesus is, okay? That's not true. That's not true. There are people who may have heard the name Jesus, but they don't know who he is. And so whose responsibility is it to reach those folks? This is where you respond. Us. Very good. Because if you don't do it, who's going who's to do it? Somebody else will do it. Okay. God's going to reach his people. And so if you want to be used by God, I hope you got what I said. I mean, and like I said, I, I, think I, it was, I, t- I titled as I took notes and stuff, just walking through the book of Acts, Acts 8 with, with, with you guys. Uh, I hope what you got is that you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared to share your faith story with others that are wicked, that are lost, that are hypocrites, that are different color, that are hungry, you know, you need to be ready to give an account for, uh, for your faith. Because you know what? Their life depends on it. Okay? You, do you realize, does it even affect us to, to realize that, that there, we've got family members, friends, that are going to spend eternity in hell, a real, real place? Because we're not willing to believe that we're filled with the same Holy Spirit that's talked about in the book of Acts. To be able to share our faith and, and, and to, to believe that that Holy Spirit can change a life because we're scared. People are going to spend eternity in hell because we're scared to share our faith. Now, I say that, but the scriptures tell us if we don't do it, even the rocks will cry out and do it. Okay? So my, I don't know, my spiel to you is why miss out on that joy? Why miss out on the joy of, 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 of being able to share and see a life changed uh, as a youth in Bryan, Arkansas? You guys are some amazing kids. And you've got everything, the resources, Mark, uh, friends that, 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 that want to make an impact. Uh, and so I just want to challenge you to, to, to pray constantly for that Holy Spirit that's mentioned here to change lives and, then, and that he would equip you and allow you to be uh, the thing that, that pushes that forward and, and you change your community. Because, you know, I can see over the last couple of years uh, the impact that y'all make, but there's so, so much more to do. So let me pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, 
uh, come and, and just walk through the book of Acts and, and see what it has to say to us, Lord. <clears throat> Father, a lot of times when we have to preach a sermon or pre prepare a talk, Lord, we, we, we have to come up with some stories to help us to relate and, and we have to, you know, try to be funny or, or whatever, Lord. But as I read your scriptures today, Lord, man, your word is your word. Your word is us. Your word is, is the way you speak to us, Lord. And so, so Father, for me, I, I just thank you for the opportunity to see what you have to say to us today. And, Father, for these youth, Lord, I just pray that they would realize, uh, like we just talked, and I may have beat it to death, Lord, but, but I pray that they would realize that the Holy Spirit that, that was alive and, and active in the book of Acts is available for us, Lord. And I think it breaks your heart when we don't take advantage of that. When we don't let your Holy Spirit move in us and, 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 and move through us, Lord, and, and we, we are so worried about what others are think, will think or, or that we're not good enough or we're not whatever, Lord. But, Father, I pray that, uh, that, that your Holy Spirit would move in these, uh, these young folks in a way that they can't deny what you're telling them to do, Lord, and, and trying to do through them, Lord. Father, I pray that they would be... Uh, just very impactful uh, in their families uh, and in their, their social networks that they, you know, school, friends, and all that, Lord. I pray, Father, that they would not just talk the talk, but they'd walk the walk and, and that they would be used by you in all things, Lord. Father, I don't want to miss an opportunity here to, to, to not at least even offer, but Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that hadn't made that commitment to follow you, that they would come and talk to, to me or to Mark or Emily or, or Miss Thornton or anybody else that's out here, Lord, adults or other youth, Lord, that they would talk to somebody and that they would start that relationship with you for the first time. We're not going to have an altar call or anything like that, but, but we're just going to hang around. And, 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 Father, if there's somebody that maybe has even felt your Holy Spirit moving in them and, and, and prompting them to, to make some changes, Lord, I pray, Father, that they'd find somebody and ask for prayer in that situation as well. Father, I love you, and I thank you, Lord, that you love us. It's in your son's name I pray.